What's up, everyone? It's Kirby Porter, and welcome to another episode of Court to Corporate. We're sitting down with athletes, discussing their personal playbooks, and diving deeper into how it's translated to success and lessons outside the game and in the business world. Hey, so obvious statement here, but I think that sometimes the hardest part for anyone with a vision is just knowing how to get there. We often like to break it down into our ideal steps in terms of what we'd like to do within the next year or month or week or even 24 hours to accomplish that goal in our dream world. What we'll learn today from our guest is that sometimes ensuring we're making the right moves comes with truly just living in and taking advantage of the moment and opportunity that's already in front of us. Marlon Beck jump-started his journey at Binghamton University where he was a three-year captain and finished second all-time in scoring on the men's basketball team. It was after a conversation with his mentor where he was encouraged to think critically about what he would take away from his four years in the program. With limited opportunity to intern due to basketball, he began with a sports marketing internship at the university and just growing his network. Since that conversation, Marlon has interned at Nike, the NBA Players Association, the Big Three, Under Armour, obtained his master's in sports management from Georgetown, founded his own sports conference, and has since returned to Under Armour full-time in their basketball department. As we walk through Marlon's journey, we'll discuss why and how athletes should look to grow their network to build a foundation of opportunity, the experiences and frameworks of thinking from basketball that have enabled him to succeed within marketing roles across the sports industry and create new opportunities and platforms, and lastly, the mantra that he employs that will encourage all of you to take full advantage of the opportunities that are in front of you to come out a better product. Let's get started. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Marlon. Um, I know your bio, but in your words, who is Marlon Beck and what do you do? So absolutely. I would say, well, obviously I'm Marlon Beck, but I would say that (laughs) I'm a very self-driven individual, always looking to explore and create, whether it's in, I currently work in the sports industry at Under Armour as a associate product line manager in the basketball division. But I feel like I'm so much more than that. I grew up with a marketing background. I grew up, um, always looking to start different businesses. I'm always looking for different ways to just help keep my myself creative and always kind of on go for everything that I'm doing and kind of working hard through everything that is. So what I do at Under Armour, like I said, I'm an APLM, Associate Product Line Manager. So what I do there is I basically work on all of our footwear from our grassroots level, which is high school. And obviously we just had IMG Academy win the Geico National Championship, so that was huge. Mm-hmm. Rocking some amazing Under Armour basketball footwear. Um, I service our NCAA, all of our assets. It's great. We, now we're seeing Texas Tech go to the championship. I wish it could have been Auburn. We could have, <laughs> so for the first time, you would have had two Under Armour basketball yes. schools. And then I obviously service our uh, NBA guys, too. I do a lot of work with our younger athletes. With You go from Dennis Smith Jr., Josh Jackson, Terrence Ferguson, slam dunk winner, Hami Diallo. Um, do a little bit of stuff with Stephen Curry. Manage a lot of our collaboration projects with other companies both in and outside of the sports industry to get a feel for that and so whether it's that 
and kind of just conceptualizing and managing the storytelling. So, but whether it's changing the materials on a different type of shoe, becoming a product expert. But since I have a marketing background, a lot of it has to do with driving brand awareness from a footwear perspective at four Under Armour Basketball. So for what I do, I consider it almost like product marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it's kind of, I get the best of both worlds with my love for footwear and then just being a sneakerhead and then obviously having a background for marketing. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation because I think that the art of being intentional about your goals, but really knowing how to break that down into steps of how to get there is something that's so valuable to understand, yep. but it's sometimes harder than you think, right? And fittingly, something that you've shared is this concept of speaking it into existence and how that's been central to your upbringing. We often all say it as a cliche, but what does that mean to you in terms of your mindset, um, you know, whether it's your career or outside of your career, you know, where does that come from? Yeah, honestly, I think it comes from just when I was younger, just having high goals for myself. I think it all started when I was a young kid, but then also once I got to high school, I think one of my biggest goals was like, I want to play division one basketball someday. Like mm-hmm. that was my goal. I didn't want my parents to have to pay for me to go to college, but I knew that I also wanted to go somewhere where I could get a solid education and kind of just take me to places after college or mm-hmm. for one day when, as we all know, and obviously you can relate as well, you know, one day the ball does stop bouncing for everybody right. um, who plays basketball. So it's like, what are you going to do after? So I would say speaking into existence, I always said that. I first started out of school called Our Lady of Good Counsel High School. Um, obviously, you know, we talked about that and you know that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honest, like, honestly, at that point, I was probably at best a D3 level kind of talent, I would say, at the time. And then I had an amazing summer. I transferred to a school called the Murray School in D.C. Had an amazing workout summer. And I feel like my game kind of went to the next level. Mm-hmm. Once I went to Murray is one of the more popular and there's like a lot of different dc private schools but it's one of the schools that are really well known for their education so i went there and i really feel like i leveled up in a sense i feel like i took it to the next level i started having a great amazing basketball year and career my team and i we won the championships i ended up getting d1 offers and i'm going to binghamton university and i think just speaking it there once i kind of reached the goal that i set for myself it's a great feeling then you're like what's next it's almost like that diddy video that we all know you know what i mean it's like it's like like, what's next give me something what can i do like that's really how you feel when you accomplish your Mm -hmm. goals and i think the more that you really do reach and accomplish your personal goals the more you get that feeling and the more driven you are to do so many more things in life and i think that's where it really all comes from Let's make this whole interview about Diddy because <laughs> yeah, we could talk I about that all upset. day. <laughs> yeah, that's my spirit guy, man. Yeah, <laughs> I feel you. Um, <laughs> For real. Let's go back. You had a very successful career at Binghamton, but you were originally committed to Cornell. And I'd imagine that came through the summer where you blew up. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, it's funny. I said that Murray was a great school. I went to Murray and like on my first big summer circuit. I think the summer before my, yeah, the summer before my senior year. So like my final AAU summer. After like the first tournament, I had like a really good showing. I ended up getting calls from like four or five different Ivy League schools, all expressing top interest in me, saying like they wanted me to come be a point guard there for like the next four years, all this stuff. And I was wondering why that was. It had to do with me going around. I think they saw the school and they're like, oh, this kid 
probably won't be any trouble getting him into our school or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like almost like the reputation. But I committed to Cornell. I actually verbally committed. I was it was between them and Princeton, um, and I actually chose Cornell because they were there were college coaches coming to like three of my, out of my five six a.m. workouts during the week, wow. and I think yeah, and it was almost like they really showed me a lot of love, and I felt like I could go there and like be a part of a family. I felt like and that's what I really want. It's almost like the John Morant story now, where they mm-hmm. talked about his dad saying, "Don't go where you want to go. Go where you really are wanted the most." And I think for me. I didn't want to, like, I had a couple more interests from, like, UCF and a couple other schools, but I didn't want to go somewhere. I wasn't really interested in the the bigger mid-major, the big high-level schools where I probably would have went in, maybe, and being honest with myself, maybe not playing as much my freshman year, maybe my sophomore year, then finally maybe even competing for a starting spot my junior year. I wanted to go somewhere where I felt as though I was really wanted and I could have a great career all four years, and Cornell really was that. But then after I committed, I think they signed – one or two other guards as well. Um, that kind of blew me off a little bit the wrong way. But then I kind of try, started trying to talk to them more and more, and I couldn't really get in contact with the coaching staff, and I ultimately decommitted. Mm-hmm. But other, I ended up starting my – I went from having um, a good amount of D1 offers beforehand and then started my senior year, I had nothing. I really yeah. felt – I was like I felt like I st- I'm starting from scratch as – what some people might say an undersized guard starting his senior year. I'm like, I really have something to prove this year. Like, what can I do? Mm-hmm. I ended up getting a couple more looks and offers. Um, and then Binghamton University, they had been recruiting me beforehand, and they ended up signing another guard. But they ended up calling me and saying, hey, we want to come out to your next game. Um, we've been tracking you all season. We had another scholarship open up. And this was a school that had been talking to me for a while. Um, shout out to a guy named Coach Luber. He's over at uh, assistant at Ryder University right now. It really made it happen for me and a lot of other guys. Mm-hmm. And ended up choosing them. And I had an amazing four years, three-year captain. I think I finished second all-time scoring, then first all-time in like threes made. And I'm like, yeah. that's something you can't trade. I mean, to Binghamton University is a great school, too. They've done so much for me in terms of internship and jobs while I was there, too. So, I mean, it's... It all works out. You have a lot of ups and downs, but I think that's what it ultimately boils down with the, like, the, you know, court to corporate, the start of this talk. It's like I went through so many ups and downs in that process that mm-hmm. that ultimately can translate to me now off the court. And I'm like, I've been here before, but just in a different manner. I love that. And yeah. I, I do want to talk briefly about your career while at Binghamton. You listed, you know, your accomplishments. Congratulations. That's huge. Um, Thank you. And I love the numbers, but. I'm really interested in your experience as a three-year captain because there's just so much to say there from being elected after your freshman year. <laughs> like, that's pretty crazy. Um, can you tell us what, what stepping into that role was like and, and what that meant for you and your team at that time? Yeah, I mean, it was tough. It was tough, especially as a sophomore. I had to look for a lot of answers, especially yeah. from our older guys on the team because, I mean, we were in a strict rebuild mode when I got there. I think when I got there the year before, they had only won like three games or something like that. It was like a, it was a new coach right when I got there, um, Coach Dempsey, um, and he really kind of believed in me. I had a pretty good freshman year, and he kind of, from his past programs, I mean, he's won championships before in other conferences, and he kind of just told me, hey, I need you to be the leader of this team. He saw me. He sees that when I'm on the court, I'm a vocal guy on the court, on and off the court, my teammates, but he really wanted me to kind of start preparing for when I was going to be an upperclassman the following year. And it was, like I said, it was tough, especially when you're on a team that might not be winning as much. And then being the young guy, upperclassman might see a younger guy 
being like, hey, why are you trying to get us all to do this? Or why are you mm-hmm. talking to us this type of way when we're not really, it's, it's hard to get the locker room together when you're not a 20 and 10 or 25 and 8 team, you know? Yeah. So, but honestly, going through that, it kind of just showed me like how to work with other people, like from different various backgrounds so well. I was able, I know how to handle different issues if somebody's going through something. If I need to pick somebody up, because everything, I mean, playing team sports, it's the best thing you can do almost. I think you just learn so much different things from it. And I think it kind of really prepped me into when I was that junior, then I was that senior, and our team was getting better and better each year. And I could then have underclassmen looking up to me. And then once they get in my shoes, it's it's no worries for them. So, I mean, it's it's something that I'm very grateful that I had to be a part of and definitely wouldn't trade it for anything. So let's transition. You've shown a clear focus in your, your journey so far in terms of pursuing a career in sports. So in undergrad, what was your first step in, in kicking that off? Yeah, so I mean, for me, and like, like this is honestly something I could talk about for days. I mean, I mean, <laughs> like, <do> like <laughs> I only, I only say that, I only say that though because, uh, like, I, as a student athlete, you really don't have the opportunity to go do something over the summer. You don't. So it's like you're at school most of the time, unless like you're school does a co-op program but I mean like for me I literally had to be in Binghamton almost every summer taking classes working out and stuff like that and trying to figure out what I really even wanted to do I was an economics major um and I was like okay am I gonna go work on just in finance or trying to go to Wall Street or is like I had big dreams to do that but I was like that's not really my passion that's not really what I wanted to do I knew that I had a business type of mindset with things and I knew that but sports it was my number one love and it was like if I can combine sports and business together I'd rather do something that I love and not have to worry about anything else so I actually did a sports marketing internship during my junior year while I was at uh Binghamton University um had to apply through the athletics department and I kind of got I was on the team and we had to do so many different things and working with other different cl- other different teams and um, fans and just doing all different types of promotional events. And we actually ended up boosting ticket sales for every single event that entire year. So that was great. Okay. But it was like, okay, I didn't know if I really wanted to work in college athletics. And the great, great thing about internships, and I think some people need to like not necessarily understand this. I know a lot of people do but it's like doing an internship it's all about finding what you like and what you don't like it doesn't have to be your the major internship at the major company your first time or anything like that yes. and so like what I did was I went to my athletic director one day and I had a mentor actually um by the name of Ed Scott is actually the AD at Morgan State right now and he was like my first mentor ever and he was just telling me like look man like this university is like I was on like billboards in, in Binghamton. I was on advertisements and he was just like, look, man, the school is really using you as um, to like drive money for university. I'm just telling you from the business perspective. And he was like, what are you going to do to use the university for yourself? He was like, obviously they can't pay you, but how are you going to make them? How are you going to be able to talk about Binghamton in the future for helping the way you're getting pay now or whatever you're doing, you know? And so he made me go talk to the athletic director and like a couple other people in the area. And I ended up getting connected to a guy named Chris Gabby, who is the leader of all the Eakins on the East coast out in the New York city office for them. And got connected with him, got connected with an alumni at the NBA player association. Mm -hmm. And I just had all these different connections and I ended up 
inter- getting my first what I'll call a major internship at the MBPA in New York the summer before my senior year. My coach was for- I was fortunate enough to have a coach that allowed me had a conversation with him and said, "Look, I don't know if the overseas thing is for me. I don't know yet or anything like that, but I do want to have experience in the bag just in case." And I ended up interning for them. I'm making some great connections. Ended up interning the first summer after I graduated with the Big Three under a guy named Roger Mason Jr., another another mentor of mine, who was my boss at the MBPA. So I mean, it's just being at the university and just using your connections and things like that. I would say that's what it really gave to me and figuring out where my path was from that internship job perspective. Right, and from the outside looking in, at least it seems that your path or your thread has been athletes and storytelling and there's different angles to the sports industry and sports business but is there something special to you specifically about bringing the stories to life of the individuals behind it yeah I would say it's just I mean we me and you both we've been in the shoes of athletes before we know how the stuff goes and we both have good experience working with professional athletes and Professional athletes are just regular people. They're mm-hmm. people just like us. They don't want to be treated in different ways. They're like the Russell Westbrook doesn't want to be touched during games. It's they're <laughs> regular. They're they're regular people. And the thing is, I think so I was fortunate at the MBPA. I did. I worked on the player relations, and I did the same thing with the Big Three on their summer tour in 2016, their inaugural one. And it goes back to me now. I work with athletes, and the storytelling aspect comes from my marketing background. Um, I know you'll be able to relate to this one. And it's like, if you can tell a great story and you're able to be able to articulate it to people of all ages or whatever that target consumer and whatever go-to-market strategy you're making or any way possible, like that's how you're really connecting with the fan, the consumer, the whatever it is. It's how can you really get them to believe and like, fall in love with the story the nba it's a business but they do a great job of telling stories of this is who the players really are you think of an espn e60 storytelling 30 for 30 storytelling everything it's everything you see and you're attracted to it's commercials super bowl commercials how are you attracted to it and that's where it comes in for me and athletes you talk about that i work with athletes and i have to represent athletes on every level i even did it at georgia university interning with them under patrick young before and it's like how can I tell stories with anything that I do? So for me, working on footwear, um, Dennis Smith Jr., for example, how can I work on his footwear for next season, but also be able to tell the story of who he really is or we're doing these things at All-Star Weekend and all that kind of stuff in Fave or where he's from in North, in North Carolina. How can I really tell the story to make people connect more with him and be more interested in his product? And his product is our product, and that's why we really drive revenue from my specific position you know so it's like that was the athletes and stories telling i could talk about it all day but it's such a sensitive thing so if you look at it from the big picture it's it's really important if you're really in this sports industry and yes if you are working with athletes or anything like that that aspect of it is so big i'm hyped <laughs> <laughs> I, I, no i i completely agree with you just in terms of the power of building brands and the power of building personal brands and the the intricacies behind that, right? Like you just mentioned so many different ways and touch points at which that comes to life and the work behind it. And what it comes down to is really understanding the people that you're working for. And because you've been able to speak to that experience and live that experience, you know how to amplify it even further. So no, no, absolutely. That's, completely agree with you 
Yeah, um, I mean, if you can build a brand for yourself, let alone build a brand for somebody else, I mean, then the sports industry, depending on what you're doing, the sports industry is for you. You know, it's yeah. if you can really, if you're able to do that, and if you're able to be able to kind of express yourself, but through, like I said, authentic storytelling, then you're good. You're good. You're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Building on all of this work experience that you've gained, tell us about your decision to go straight through to grad school at Georgetown to get your sports industry management master's. Yeah, absolutely. So I had um, about two or three different job offers in New York after I graduated from college. And I ultimately decided not to go or I decided to turn them down because, I mean, they weren't obviously New York City's cost of living. I was like, I didn't really know if I was ready to go there at like such a young age with the jobs offers that I did have. And I was like, you know what? That's big and all. But I was thinking to myself also, like I was an economics major. I was really my internship experience was great. It was amazing. It was I was grateful that I was able to have that at such a young age with the companies that I did work with. But I was like, I want to learn more. Like, I want to know more. My sister actually did the, uh, my older sister did the Georgetown University Sports Industry Management, also known as SIM program. And there's some big people, like, out of that out of that um, program that came out. And I kind of looked at the curriculum and what it really offered. Obviously, being from the D.C. area, it's a local prestigious university. Um, and I also was like, I feel like I just got out of school and I didn't want to fall in the trap. Some people can do it, some can't. I didn't want to get into the mode where I was out of school for some time and then had to go back and I had to readjust to doing work. I was like, I might as well get it out the way. It's a two-year program. I was able to do it and I graduated. Well, I finished in December, a semester early uh, in December. Yeah, I have to walk in May, which is great. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but it, the program oh, wow, is so, even walked yet. yeah, they don't, oh Georgetown gosh. does, yeah, Georgetown doesn't do winter walks. So yeah, yeah May 7th, yeah. May 17th, I got across the stage again. You've been going straight um, under armor. I forgot you, uh, <laughs> had yeah. to for that. that's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, yeah, the program itself, like, I'm so glad I did, I made that decision. I mean, I was able to, not only that, I kind of bought more time to kind of really see what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know I had worked with MBPA, the big three. So going there, I actually ended up doing working with Nike um, and doing a lot of Ekin work. So Ekin is just, do you know what Ekin is? Can I do? But can you just explain it? I, yeah, maybe, absolutely. Because I probably don't even understand it in full. Nah, absolutely, abs- absolutely. Yeah. It's so Ekin. It's just Nike spelled backwards. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but no, it's like they're brand marketers and they kind of like product experts and they work with different company, local companies. There's some in different regions. It's actually a great concept that nike does and they're basically working on a b2b and b2c perspective to kind of drive brand awareness in different communities there's like one in dc one in baltimore several in new york but yeah the guy who i was telling you about earlier who is uh my mentor and a binghamton alumni he's the one who manages all of them on the east coast and he Uh is just amazing with it so he was kind of prepping me (laughs) into like learning that brand marketing stuff from nike perspective and yeah, but then I ended up, it's funny, I actually uh, I had an offer to go to Under Armour this summer to work in the product line management division, What working on what I do now. Mm-hmm. And I also had an offer to go to other various companies as well. So what I did was, I was like, okay, product, I know it, but is it really what I want to do? Then I was like, wait, it is. So what a lot of people don't know is I actually started an online sneaker boutique when I was like 
14 years old in high school and i yeah i had some great connections to like local boutiques and sneaker stores in the area and i was able to like do this like slight wholesale thing and i would like have like a high value like resale store almost like 15 i have ran it through like ebay and i like every weekend i was just like going in and out with shoes and i was like i love footwear and i was like oh and then i thought about under armor even more and i'm like okay I never wore Under Armour basketball shoes in my life before I came here. Like, and that's not, I just was always with Nike teams. And I grew up like in Nike. Nike's pretty big in the, in the PG County area where I'm from. And I was like, I really want to go to Under Armour basketball and just kind of just learn more of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to go pitch fresh ideas. I want to go do this. Because when I spoke to them on the phone during my interviews, they really made it seem like they were very interested in my thoughts and they it was all it goes back to my college days of go where they want you and i kind of feel like even as just a intern and under armor's internship program obviously you're an alumni of it as well so obviously it's breeding out good people yeah. <laughs> but um people who are doing big things but um but yeah obviously you know they do a great job of kind of really just immersing the interns into the program yes, um yeah, they do a great job, like final project and everything. But I, but going back to Georgetown and connecting it, so much, so many things that I learned in my time at Georgetown, whether it was building a new marketing strategy, whether it's building an entire consumer insight survey that I actually ended up doing for Under Armour at the time, and like a bunch of other different things I had to learn. Like I was able to, and I was obviously in the mindset of, okay, you're an intern, but you need to go, you know, when you're an intern, you got to go 250% ahead than what anything else because you're trying to impress people and all this kind of yeah. stuff. But um, yes, yeah, the Joyce and I think I was also a graduate intern. So I was a little more mature in different ways going and I've been through different internships before. So I think it really just helped me do that. And um, Georgetown helped me uh, start a conference, the AIM Sports Conference, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing in itself. So I mean that, yeah, it definitely did a lot for me. I'm glad I made that decision. And obviously, I was at Under Armour, and then I finished my graduate degree, and now I'm full-time. Now you're full-time. Let's talk about AIM. I, I wanted to talk about that later, but you just mentioned it, and I think that would be good to kind of dive deeper into that. You started it while at Georgetown, but can you walk us through the idea from pen and paper to execution? Uh, you know, what was the inspiration for that? Yeah, the inspiration came from... Once again, being a student athlete. I mean, literally, literally, the court to corporate thing is real. I mean, like <laughs> I, I literally, because in college, I was so interested in marketing. Like I self-taught myself all the digital marketing, all this kind of stuff. Like in my free time, but I really wanted to join a club, like just a little regular student club where they just meet and just discuss new, fresh, creative topics. But I never had time. I always had workouts. I always had practice. I could never go when they met. And I wanted to start that at Georgetown. I was like, I don't really have, I have different internships and jobs. I was balancing like three different things while I was in grad school. And I literally was like, I want to start a club or make something bigger. So I literally made an entire business, like a three-page business proposal where I just basically said what our mission, the mission would be. Um, it was not limited to just marketing concentrated students at Georgetown it was going to be bringing in speakers. It was going to be bringing in different things. We'll have resume works, different workshops to just help people out. And I brought it to the dean of the program, uh, Dr. Dale Kelly, and he really believed in my vision. And he was like, 
we can't fund it though because um, they can only fund one at a time. And there was like a SIMSA, um, so SIMS Student uh, Student Association Club. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm doing myself a disservice and putting myself in a box. And you could probably just tell by talking to me, I hate putting myself in a box. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I literally was like, nah, forget a club. I'm going to do a whole conference and it's not going to be limited to just Georgetown people. It's going to be for the entire community because I know several people in this area. Like, this isn't the most, the biggest sports town, the biggest sports city. There's New York's and all that kind of stuff, but there's enough here where there's enough energy from individuals who are passionate to get into the sports industry. And I think there's no point or no reason to, for me to be some selfish guy and try to have everything for myself. I think the more you surround yourself with like-minded people, the better you are as a whole, as a Mm -hmm. entire team. And so I built this idea for the conference and I got it signed off. I ended up, I thought I wanted it to be student run. I had 11 to 12 other students on my team the first year. And we literally put together an entire conference in three months. We had three workshops, three um, panelists, a keynote speaker represented from like the NBA, um, Events DC, TBC Agency, which was like the number one agency in Maryland in like 2016 at the time. Um, for things was voted by Forbes. And then like a bunch of other things. Well, we saw 100 plus people. I mean, I really... I made it free for Georgetown SIM students because I was like, this is for us. It needs to be part of our program. This can be used as a recruiting um, pitch for people to come into the program. It was just, mm-hmm. there was no cons in making this happen for the conference. So it was great. And then year two, um, this one was a much longer process. I actually had to build out a team of 23 of us. So I doubled my team this year. Wow. Um, and it was great. It was amazing. We had a couple of different road bumps. Obviously, you have to expect that while building out a conference or a business. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I had people I had people on my team being able to write down on their resume. Like we had five, like five different categories. It was um divisions. It was you were a coordinator, you were on our communications team, you could have been on our marketing team, you could have been on my finance team, and you could have been on my sponsorship partnerships team. Like like we had a CFO, COO, like it was it's not about me. Like I'm giving mm-hmm. these stu- other students, my peers, my colleagues, something to write on their resume. And like, I actually saw three of people from my year one group, um, actually be able to talk about it to that point. I'm like, yeah, put me as a reference. It is what it is. No one's called me, but they're able to talk through what they did for this program. Like we raised thousands of dollars. We did this. We had a whole marketing calendar and strategy for three months out. Yeah. We ended up getting, this year, 13 speakers. We doubled our speakers from the year one. We had three panels versus one this year. It was, we had a whole networking reception. We saw easily over 100. We had a, we needed over 150 people to help make this happen. And it's just a great experience for my my team. Like for example, I have a guy working at, got a, he's a corporate sponsorships intern at DC United right now, and he literally came up to me, um, emailed me, and was like, hey. I just want to thank you because I literally was able to talk through what I did for the conference. And they were like, oh, you have experience in this. We want you even more now, you know? So it's like that I'm able to network with all of our speakers um, who come. They're all senior vice presidents, C-level and up. Um, My team is able to network with them. And then all of our attendees are able to network with each other. I'm, I'm passing out. 30 to 40 business cards like while I'm there and like this and that it's and obviously the cliche line is so big in the uh sports industry like your network is your net worth and like that kind of thing. it's so cliche but your network really does help yeah. in a sense especially in the sports industry so like it was 
It was good. Our mission was to help create the next generation of future sports business leaders. That's like our mantra that I made for the conference, and it was great. So, yeah, AIM stands for Advancement Integration of Marketing Through Sports Conference, actually. <laughs> um, but I was like, that title is too long, so we simplified it, and it still works. So, still But, no, works. it was great. Yeah, it was a great holistic experience that I think so many people were able to enjoy from. And I already have the next president in line going to be planning it next year, and now I'm just sitting on the board, and I'm, hopefully we can see it for years to come. Absolutely. That's so cool. How? What was the process and building out your team for year two was that really just we want we want more attendees this year we want more hands-on panels and workshops or was it really more so we want to create opportunity like this is for our our group at georgetown and let's pay it forward through that lens through really giving you something to speak to or was it a combination of both of those it was a combination of everything honestly like it comes down to like in order to get on the team, you literally have to, like, I have to create an entire, like, interview portal through Georgetown, and they had to send their resume, write cover letters. Like, it's a very tedious process. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> honestly, it's, like, a very tedious thing. But, I mean, it's, I mean, I, and I kind of told them from the day one, it was, look, we, I doubled this team this year because we need to raise this X amount of money. This was our goal. We did, we hit it. We had a great event. We needed to do this type of marketing. I'm, I have some digital marketing experience, so I had to create the entire website and all that for it. We had a whole digital marketing and advertising person, and my CMO did an excellent job of help raising and driving awareness through paid social ads and Google ads and all that kind of stuff. It goes from, we need this amount of speakers, so I had to, I had to make an entire industry relations team rather versus the first year, it was me reaching out to every single person, whereas right. this year, I had three different people kind of hitting up five to seven people a week just trying to like we out from our priority list and making it happen and we really did it so i mean it's it's just great it goes from that we know that it's through the lens of georgetown um so we have to do a great job working with them very fortunate we were able to use their venue um so i mean it's it's a lot but i mean if you really stick to it i mean i had to dedicate probably prior to the conference of march 22nd the last nine weekends before that it was all work for my conference Mm -hmm. because I, it was just so much that had to go on and that I had to answer to and kind of help guide um, the whole process. So I mean, it's a lot of long nights, a lot of days where I had about six different conference calls with each department (laughs) just to check in, honestly. Um, But that's what you got to do to, if you, you really got to go to extra mile, if you want to really put on a quality event or do anything to the, max that it can go you know so i mean it's really it's just about the drive absolutely and you were doing this this year while at under armor yeah so while you were (laughs) full-time what 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 was the difference in experience i'd love to hear two things first what was the difference in experience from being at under armor while you were at georgetown and now transitioning full-time like are is there a difference in your role and then second, obviously, just managing that with the conference. How? What was that shift in mindset year over year? Yeah, so, I mean, we're, while working at Under Armour, I'm obviously in the headquarters in Baltimore, Maryland, and then putting on a conference that's going to be in D.C., the great thing was having the next president in line, I kind of, I kind of appointed him that role, Eric Dorsey, appointed him that role in about December, so that way – 
while I, because I transitioned to the full-time role not a couple months ago. And because um, they did, Under Armour allowed me to extend my internship into the winter while I was finishing my degree. Okay. So that if I needed to, if there was like two days where I was doing my capstone final project and I was like, guys, I have so much work to do for school. Like it was no issue. Don't have to worry about anything. PTO, like days off, none of that. It's, you're an intern still, so you can go do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So they were very, they, they did an amazing job. Shout out to my team of being just flexible and allowing me to, you know, be great with my work <laughs> but um but um but yeah it was difficult it it was tough i mean it's balancing a full-time job and trying to manage and start another business is it's a lot i mean you're waking up i mean for me it was waking up at 6 30 in the morning checking emails for my conference sending blasting those out for the first 30 minutes of the day <laughs> go to go to work so i'm sending emails like 6 45 in the morning go to work respond to a couple of text messages for the conference if someone texts me, but I usually try to have my higher appointed people kind of answer the ones that tear down. And then I get off work, I'll go work out. I'll probably get on the road back home around like 6.37. And I literally have to have a call with my next in line president and other departments, probably three out of those five days of the work week. And then I finally get home. I might be up till 10, 30, 11 on call, sometimes 12. It's, it's, and then you're, it's all over again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then um, so I mean, it's, yeah, it was a struggle, but I mean, it was nothing that I wasn't used to. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it's almost like college, you know, you have road trips. You don't get back to this in the morning sometimes, so 3 a.m., but on a long trip, and then you have class at like 8 in the morning, you know? So okay. it's, it's nothing I wasn't used to. I was kind of used to managing a couple of different things. Um, and now going to your second question, it was, how was it? How did I work with? How did I manage it? Um, no, actually, I think you answered both. The, I think yeah, I was gonna say, I don't know if head, I yeah. did, but <laughs> no, yeah, you did. You did. yeah, but yeah. now that I don't have the conference, I have a lot more time. It's been about two to three weekends now. I've kind of spent the last two weekends just honestly not doing anything, <laughs> just, just, just you yeah, yeah, you got you got to have the self care, you know, yes. I mean, you got to coming off of that. I need to go on vacation, but, but um. <laughs> But no, it was it was fine. I got a couple of different ideas. Like I feel like I'm really never not working. I have so many different ideas for different other businesses and things as such that I want to start with myself and some of my friends that I talk to all the time about these type of things and because surrounding myself with like-minded people. So I'm going to be probably starting next week and I have to get started on some more things. I feel like I can't just stay idle. But I also use the weekends now to dedicate a lot. I have a lot more time to dedicate time to my own work mm-hmm. at Under Armour if I need to finish up anything or anything like that. So I mean, it's I'm back on top of everything, and it just it's, it feels good to kind of just have everything aligned and all that kind of stuff. Not to to joke around, but it really is the Diddy mindset of what's next. Like yo, great, for real. But what's next? Like, that was literally me. If you would have been at the networking reception after my conference, that's literally how yeah. I felt. I was like, I was like these Throwing last nights, yo, these last stressful weekends. I was yeah. like, come on, somebody give me a drink ticket. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was crazy. I mean, that that goes back to the feeling. It's like yeah. once you really accomplish something and you get that energy, like, dang, I just did that. Like, right. it's a proud moment for you that you can really celebrate not only with yourself, but those who really helped you or were a part of the process and getting to where you ultimately wanted to be several months ago, you know, man, I, I live for that feeling. 
I love that. Um, yeah. I would love to close with your perspective or advice on how to make the steps. You've had a lot of valuable internship experiences that really fall within the storyline that you're building out. And I think each one that you've had has built on each other and you're, you're able to keep a purview or, or line sight onto what's next for you. And so what has been your approach in terms of understanding what opportunities to pursue and when? Yeah. Um, it's funny because I would definitely say like, so like way, way back, like I've always been like a people person, but I think it was really when I was younger during my first internship at the MBPA, um, like my first major one, I'll say, and really going into the role of like, I need to really expand my network. Like that was the biggest thing. And I wasn't really, I never really sent out any cold emails or anything like that. Like it took, in order for me to talk to my AD, it took my mentor having to sit me down and say, what are you doing to get your share of what you want in life from the school? So like it, I used to be kind of reserved until I'm thankful enough to have my mentor at Sky who really pushed me outside my comfort zone. So what I did was while I was in New York, um, it was a 10 week internship. Every single Monday for those 10 weeks, I did LinkedIn research over the weekend before and, or I reached out to other people to find people's emails, just anyone who I wanted to connect with, someone who I thought could help me right away or whether it's somebody who I don't even know, they're just a VP at some place in some sports agency in New York. And I don't even know this person. And every Monday at 10 AM, I emailed five new people. And before the end of the week, sometimes I, I, I always hope for three responses. Sometimes I got three, sometimes I got four or five, sometimes I got zero. And over that summer, I think out of the 50, I ended up actually linking with, connecting with 33 different people in New York during that summer, just from phone calls to getting coffee to no matter what it was. And those are people who helped me to this day get to where I'm at. And I know that if I ever need anything, they got me. So I would say that's my biggest advice. It's really going outside of your comfort zone to do whatever it is. Maybe it is reaching out to people. Maybe it's not that, you know? And I think another thing too, uh, and knowing what opportunity is the right one to really pursue, it's something that you might not be 100% comfortable with. I mean, it's that's what it is. I did a couple internships where I was like, this isn't for me, but I'm sure as hell glad that I figured out what that was. And I think not, I feel like, and let me know what you think. I'm honestly curious. I want to ask you a question now. Like what, yeah. what is like, I, for me, I feel like it's so easy to be like, okay, this is step one. This is step two. This is step three. Everything is calculated. This is how life's going to go. I'm going to go here, <laughs> but it never it works never out does. that way. <laughs> like, never. It never does. Like, so like for me, figuring out what really is the right thing, I think it's really living in the moment and saying, nah, this is right for me right now, or this is a challenge and I want to take it. Mm-hmm. This is what I really want to do. Like me going to Under Armour, I never, like growing up, I wanted to work for the NBA. Like I wanted to do that. I wanted to do the associate's program. I wanted to do all that kind of stuff. But then I was like, there's different challenges. I wanted to go to grad school. I didn't think I was always going to go there. I ended up going to challenge myself and I came out such a better product. Yeah. I ended up going to Under Armour, never thought I was going to work for like actually become like a product expert on some material item 
I didn't think that was what I was going to do. I thought I was going to do marketing, you know? But ultimately, because living in the moment and doing what I needed to do, whether it's teaching myself marketing, doing internships, figuring out, like, dang, I do like this, pushing myself to understand why something is happening more than what the result is, I think that's how you really know. Like, that's why going through areas and coming out a better product, I think it can just take you so many more places in life and just being good at one thing. Obviously, if you have a niche, um, if you are so good at this, I mean, but well, something I've learned working in corporate America, it's you're not just doing one thing. You have to probably work with so many other different departments just to build out one thing from your company. Us at All-Star Weekend doing something for Stephen Curry, one event, you got to have like 40 people on site at the event working it. You have to have, and then there's probably 150 people who have to work on it from just from the headquarters through sourcing, through graphic design, through everything. And it's, you get, if you can be good at so many different things and be able to be like a multi-talented person, yes. mm-hmm. I think your options are endless and then it's no longer, you're limited to that box. I talked earlier about, I don't like being put in a box. It's no, you want to have options. You want to say, once I get out of the box, where am I going next? What's next? Where's Diddy? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, you might as well just name this like this uh, this podcast, like the Diddy episode. The Diddy, <laughs> but, I will. <laughs> but, I will. Um, but yeah, like that's how I would honestly answer it. And I think challenging yourself on a daily basis, like what can I learn? What can I do? What can I do this? Everything is on your iPhone these days. Like you can literally learn everything on YouTube or on Google. It's really ridiculous that like, you could do that. Um, and yeah, just taking advantage of what's really in front of you and accomplishing and speaking things into existence. is That's what I would have to say. That was great. That's the end of that episode. <laughs> We're going to mic drop on that one. <laughs> nah, this is great. This is great. Yes. Like I'm very thankful to be even selected to be on this podcast. I don't know if it's like a season one or whatever it is, but like shout out to you for really putting this on, I think this is something where like, I'm more motivated about the day right now, just having this conversation. Like it's something that I think a lot of people can benefit from. Um, we're both grinding out here. You're in New York. I'm in the DC area, but who knows? Like we might even be working together on something else one day. Um, I might want to ask you to speak on something like that's just how it is. So definitely kudos to you. Love the other episodes and I'm excited to hear the ones after this. Thank you so much, Marlon. I really appreciate that. For sure. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. As always, please let us know in the review section your thoughts and any topics you'd like to hear discussed. We'd love for you to join us on Instagram and LinkedIn to stay in the know and keep up to date with our community. The information for both of those handles will be in the episode description. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed and we'll be back for another one soon.